0: Welcome to the story behind her success with Candy O'Terry, presented by Boston Women in Media and Entertainment, sponsored by Tech Help Boston.
1: If you want to get someone's attention, just tell them a great story. And if you want to inspire someone, introduce them to someone whose story can touch their heart and change their life, leaving them with the mantra, if she can do it, I can do it. Since October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, we've decided to profile breast cancer survivors along with women who are on the forefront of breast cancer treatment. I have never heard the words, you have breast cancer. But I do know what it's like to lose your mother to the disease. Treatment for breast cancer has changed dramatically since my mother's death decades ago. The good news is that women are living longer. But the bad news remains, we still have no cure. And researchers continue to try to find out why cancer happens to our bodies in the first place. In the spotlight, breast cancer survivor Donna Teft. She's a wife, she's a mother with a great big job, she's the vice president and director of marketing and sales for the Pine Hills, winner of the National Community of the Year Award, and it's designed like an authentic New England village. The Pine Hills is the largest new residential and commercial development in New England with 40 uniquely designed neighborhoods created by 11 different builders. When it is completed, the Pine Hills will include 1.3 million square feet of mixed-use space and over 3,000 homes. Can you believe it? But what makes this place unique are the 2,200 acres of open space. I have seen it. It is simply idyllic. And this is the woman who's responsible for selling all those houses. (laughs) Welcome Donna Teff to the show.
2: It's great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. How are you today? I'm great. We both have our pink on. We'll have to post a picture. We do. And it's just an honor to be here on the first day to kick off Breast Cancer Awareness Month. I am just meeting you since we
1: saw each other, I guess, about five years ago, right? Yes. But I'm going to go out on a limb here and I'm going to say that when you heard the words, you have breast cancer, A little voice inside your head said, I am too busy for this.
2: Absolutely. (laughs) How did I know that? Absolutely. Although you have other fears in your mind going on at the same moment.
1: (laughs) You are celebrating two years of breast cancer survivorship. Donna, take me back to the day that you were diagnosed.
2: The day I was diagnosed was actually two months after I felt something strange in my breast, which sounds very weird. Why would you wait two months? I had been for my mammogram a year prior, so it had only been nine months since my other mammogram. So I thought for sure, there couldn't be anything there. Why would there be anything there? My dad just suffered a heart attack. I didn't, as we said, didn't have time for this. So I checked my schedule and I called the clinic and I said, do I have my appointment scheduled? And she said, yes. And I said, great, I'll be there on July 12th. So July 12th came. The exam wasn't as it normally was. Many of us get called back a second time or a third time for another X-ray. You're waiting. And they yes. say, "Can
1: you uh, come here?" And then you find yourself in the hallway, realizing now I have to go for a 3D mammogram, or I have to go for
2: ultrasound. Tell us the story. Yeah, that had happened in the past. It actually happened like the first time I ever had a breast exam when I was 40. I just held my breath, and they said, "We're going to do an ultrasound," and I said, "Okay." And they did the ultrasound, and then I. saw the look on their faces. I mean, they basically were in shock that this had happened in such a short amount of time. You basically say, this can't be right. I mean, I was just here. Did the doctor
1: come in, you know, the the ultrasound is looking a little iffy, and then the doctor comes and says, you know, let's do a biopsy.
2: The radiologist, the doctor came in and said, "Uh, we're going to set you up for the biopsy and I didn't know any of these words a core biopsy versus a regular biopsy so all of a sudden there's this vocabulary that people are tossing around and it really feels very foreign and of course they couldn't do it right then they tried to schedule appointments things were booked on the cape I was intent on as we said moving this along because I couldn't wait the fear in you to understand what is really happening wants you to make it all happen faster so you can find a solution. At least that's how I am.
1: I'm going to guess that your ride home from the hospital where you had your mammogram to your house was one of the longest
2: drives of your life. What were you thinking about? I was in shock. I was in tears. I called my husband, Steve. I said, I don't know what this means, if this is really true. They're trying to set up these biopsies. Obviously, he he wanted me to come right home, and I did, and he happened to be there at that time. Really, I I got on the phone and I just started calling people that I knew because my husband's in the broadcast field and many women that he works with have had this and we just started doing outreach. And so I was seeking information. I was seeking, what do I do next?
1: You know, what's interesting is that from what I've learned... As I said, when I first started the show, you know, I'm not someone who's heard the words, you have breast cancer, but I certainly know what it's like to live with someone who does. I think that we're all so unique and individual in the way we handle news like this. Some people want to bury their head in the sand. Other people jump online and they start, you know, learning as much as they can about treatment and cure. Tell us about your diagnosis when it came through and how you felt about that.
2: The good thing that happened was I had the biopsy and I got the results more quickly than I expected. So that was a good thing. From the time I was diagnosed to the time I had surgery, it was only a couple of weeks. It was miraculous as far as I was concerned because I couldn't wait to get this thing out of me as fast as possible, mm-hmm. is basically what I said. Mm-hmm. I mean, I lost weight. I was scared because I just didn't know... What could happen in two weeks if this could happen in just nine months? I was seeking information. I did not go online they told me not to go online and i didn't i but i did talk to a lot of people that i trusted i have unfortunately have a good friend who went through breast cancer as in a second time and she was right there to kind of help coach me and you know calm my fears my family of course my daughter she happened to be home so i had my husband my daughter and my cousin my i did not tell my parents at the time. Isn't it so interesting? Here we are, we're all grown
1: up, but when it comes to telling our parents something about our health, we know they're going to freak out, right? (laughs) Yes,
2: it's still, you're still their child, you know, they're still their child.
1: You go through the surgery, and I'm going to guess that you had a pretty rigorous course of treatment.
2: I did. I had all of my care at Dana-Farber Brigham and Women's at South Shore Hospital, and it is, an amazing place. Not only is it, they work so close to the community, but it made the whole trip to go through this not so far and not so hard to like fight traffic and have to worry if I'm going to make these appointments. After my lumpectomy, I had four rounds of chemotherapy. They told you, you know, right away, you know, you're going to lose your hair. I'm like, you sure? You sure? Like, yes, we're sure. And it's going to happen on this day. And I said, you're sure? And they said, yes. I said, well, can we time work always? Can you time this because we're doing a big event and we're doing this big launch <laughs> with a big media partner. And did I call this at the beginning of this interview or what? <laughs> and I don't want to have my, no, I don't want to have to wear a wig for that. So can we time it so I still have my hair, which I had cut short. You know, I cut my hair short before I knew it was going to fall out. Yeah. So it would look similar to the wig. Yeah, That was my choice, you know. And some yeah. people do other things. Right. Following the hair falling out and the four rounds of chemotherapy, I did have 30 rounds of radiation.
1: It's a long road, isn't it? How did you make it through that time in your life, and can you offer some advice to someone who might be hearing those words, you have breast cancer right now for the first time? How did you make it through?
2: I've always been a very positive person, and I really feel that you have to put your mind in a place where you are going to survive, and that you are going to make it through the pain, the horrible feelings, and they'll go away. I found a color that even though pink is supposed to be for breast cancer, orange is my favorite color. I wear it a lot normally. I almost wore it today. I had a wristband that was orange that I loved, and I wore that every day. I wore it all through chemotherapy. I ate well. I tried to get all the rest. I did work. I was lucky enough that I could work. I felt good enough most of the time to work, and I think the work and the job that I had to take care of myself, it became part of my career. It was a job every day that I had to follow these steps and do these things. I went for Reiki, I went for massage, I did everything you can do to put your mind in a very positive healing place. And I really believe that all of that helped me get through it. It doesn't mean you don't break down and you don't have your moments where you're you're sad and you're scared. I mean, you're scared today. Every year you go for your mammogram and you just hold your breath.
1: You mentioned your daughter, Carly, earlier Mm -hmm. in the interview, your husband, Steve, who's a broadcaster. How did they react to your diagnosis?
2: They were also in shock. And we just had a big family cry in the surgeon's office. My surgeon, Dr. Nimkar, is amazing as are all of, all of my team. Dr. Fagan, they were just all amazing standing there with the doctor in the office and her giving you the words of strength to say we can do this and we are going to do this and we're going you're going to be okay. That to me is how I got through it. From that day that I met her the first time
1: You know, not a lot of people work in a gorgeous place like the Pine Hills, which we are just about to talk about.
2: Pine Hills is just an amazing place, and I've been lucky enough to be there for almost 18 years. Yeah, like from from the very beginning, right? Almost from the beginning. So I've watched it grow from, you know, some model homes and a vision for this village with shops and restaurants and an inn and spa. It must feel like giving birth to well, a Well, I child. was going to say that. I mean, uh, you know, Tony Green, John Judge, and the partners at New England yeah. Development, I mean, they're the ones who, of right. course, make it happen. But right. to have a place like that that is so stunningly beautiful now successful, and to be able to go there every day and call it my job is almost, it's a gift. Congratulations on this big award, National Community of
1: the Year. So we have listeners, not just in the United States, but all around the world for the story behind her success series. I'd love it if you could just walk our listeners through
2: the property. Just paint us a picture. We'll show some pictures as well. As you take a left turn onto Meeting Way, You'll come upon a beautiful building that looks like a miniature barn with the words Pine Hills on it. The roads curve to follow the topography of the land. So you sort of feel like you're on an old country road. And as you go over a little hilltop, you'll just sort of open up to a beautiful village with a grassy green and buildings around it with shops and restaurants and and inn. And as you meander through, you might get peaks of golf along the way, or you might get peaks of walking trails for hiking and biking. And then somewhere through some of the trees, you might see a few of the more than 2,200 homes that we've built uh, so far. It's a stunning place. It's a wonderful place to visit, whether you're going to buy a home or not. If you live in this region or you're visiting Plymouth as a destination, it's just a great place to go to stop for golf or restaurants and dining or coming to some of the events that we do. We'll have a big event coming up for the holidays, called Holidays on the Green, where you can even bring your dog and dress it up for the Rain Dog Parade. (laughs) You've
1: got that beautiful village green. You've even got your own fire department, the spa that you mentioned before, golf courses, restaurants, locally sourced food sold at your own
2: market. I mean, it's just, I think it's kind of magical. It is magical. It's a very special place and there aren't very many around the country like it.
1: So this place where you work, the Pine Hills, there's a building that you work in, which is called the Summer House. It is. Describe what it's like to go there to work every single day.
0: Please support our sponsors. They make this show possible. More than 30,000 families and businesses have trusted TechHelpBoston.com since the year 2000. Dave Elmazian, president of Tech Help Boston, with the reasons why. We like to establish a relationship with our customers, and the best way to do that is see them in their natural setting, so to speak, and that's in their home. We come to you, we work with you on your equipment in a setting that's comfortable for you, and also we can test better that way because if you have a printing problem or whatever and we bring it to a shop, it may work great in the shop, but it might not work in your home. So this way we know for sure everything is working the way that it should. TechHelpBoston.com. Their experts will come to your home or office to fix your computer same day, next day, and weekends too. Visit TechHelpBoston.com. That's TechHelpBoston.com.
2: During my interview with John Judge, he gave me a tour of the building. I couldn't believe that this was an office building. It's designed to look like a farmhouse that's been added on to over many years it has all of the architecture of new england inspiration but then inside we've done this beautiful refresh that it looks bright and almost cottagey elegant and of course our offices are there and we're so lucky that we get to spend every day there and even eat around this beautiful island in the middle of the kitchen
1: i was reading somewhere that you loved photography at a very young age. And that led you to your degree in communications from Boston did. University. Did you ever think that you would be running the marketing for a 3000 acre 55 plus community near Cape Cod? Isn't it funny how our lives just sort of it end up going down
2: a different path? It's very, very strange, because I never thought of myself working in real estate development. I think I mentioned to you at some point that I always loved photography and I love fashion photography and I love clothing and I worked in the marketing side of retail for many, many, many Uh years. And then life takes, you know, zigs and zags. The company I worked with, New England Development, for a long time had an interest in this project in the beginning and were partners. I was at a point where I was trying to find a job closer to Cape Cod where I live. I went and talked to some people about, gee, are they hiring anybody in marketing? And Just so happened they needed someone. It was one of those things where the stars line up. But Pine Hills is actually open for all ages. It isn't actually just for 55 and older. We have apartments with young professionals. All kinds of, I guess you'd call them empty nesters of all ages, don't not come because you think you have to be 55. All right. So listen, I believe,
1: Donna, that we take something from every job we ever do. We do. Mm -hmm. What did you learn in advertising? that you use every day as VP marketing sales at the Pine Hills?
2: I think what I've learned all throughout my career is that you cannot do it alone. And when you work for an advertising agency, you're one spoke in the wheel and you are anywhere. That's the most important thing It's just hiring great people and being open to be a team where everybody's input counts. You use the word team, and I want to ask you, what was your team like? What would
1: your staff like during your diagnosis, your recovery? You said you were well enough
2: often to be able to go to work, and that really sustained you. It did. The workplace is pretty much your home. Let's face it. We spend more time at our workplace, especially when you love it, than you do at your Mm -hmm. home. The folks I work for, I just owe them so much gratitude because they care about the person. My staff... All was there to support me. We have photographs of all of us in orange, uh, not pink, orange, (laughs) uh, because they knew I loved that color. Whether I had to work at home some days or whether people jumped in to help cover, if necessary, my marketing manager, Deb Enstrom, she was there every step of the way to help me through it when I needed her to cover things when I couldn't be there.
1: You know, you were talking earlier about your initial diagnosis and that you had a friend who had already gone through breast cancer a couple of times and she was right there for you. Now you're talking about this largely female staff that you work with. What have your friendships with women meant to you in your life?
2: I don't think we can get through life without our friends. I have girlfriends back from elementary school. I have girlfriends from college that I'm still very close with. And I have friends from my career in different places, whether it was back at Arnold or wherever it was, New England Development or here now. They all have a special place. The hardest thing is... As you move away from your jobs, it's hard to stay in touch with everyone because there's just not enough time. I would say that's the sad part about it. But we make time, whether it's an email or a call or a coffee or, or dinner, but they're the ones that are there. I mean, they're the ones that come to your house and sleep over with you when you're afraid to be alone because you just had a treatment and if your husband's gotta to go to work or I mean that support system. Our friends at Agner, you know, Leslie, Janet, Anne-Marie, they were all there for me. I think knowing you have a network keeps you going. Let's go back just a few chapters
1: in your incredible life. Let's go back to your childhood. Tell us, where did you grow up? I grew up in Everett, Mass., so you're a Massachusetts girl, I'm a Boston local, girl. I am a
2: local girl.
1: When you were growing up, what was life like in your house? Did you come from a big family? Was I there a don't. golden rule? I mean, like, you know, give us a
2: slice of your life. I am an only child, but never felt alone. Always had many, many, many friends and good family around me. And my dad was a police officer. So that's what has set the tone most of the time. (laughs) Hard Uh, to get away with anything in uh, your house. uh, Around the city, it was very hard (laughs) to get away with anything. Go to a school dance, he might be there, or one of his friends might be there. My mom, she's incredible. She's probably the most giving person in the world, always there to do anything and everything for me and my family and my daughter and my husband, dad, when he was ill. Uh, she's still with us. She's 89. I get to see her every week. And she's worked as well part-time through most of her life. A very good work ethic. I think that's where I got it from. <laughs> <laughs> the um, apple didn't fall far from tree. Yeah. Mature. A lot of great meals, a lot of great family gatherings. I always remember our house being the place where everyone came for holidays and there'd be food, food, food everywhere. You know, five courses of Italian <laughs> meals and just lots of really a good big memories. loving Italian
1: family. Yeah. What a blessing. Who were your role models growing up?
2: I guess I'd always say I looked up to my mom and my dad because they've just been so supportive to me. They were born in this country, so they're not from Italy, but my grandparents were from Italy. So they were Um, first-generation Americans. Yes, they were. I always looked to them to see how they would do things. I don't know. There's not a lot of people that I, I look up to other than my family,
1: really. Your daughter attended Berkeley College of Music. She's now in Nashville pursuing a career as a singer and a songwriter. That's so exciting. It is. Tell it us is. a little
2: bit about her. Ever since Carly was a little girl, she was always performing. Did we ever think she would want to be a songwriter and, and sing this music to the world? Not really. We just saw her pick up instruments, and she was very good at them. And a lot of the teachers in school would see that she had the skill and ability. And one of them in high school, you know, mentioned Berkeley College of Music, and we're like, really? You know, yeah, she's got to she's got to apply there. We supported her in it. As I know, you're a singer as mm-hmm. well. It's her passion, and she is a really great songwriter. So she and friends that she knows, there's a good net work down there they're putting some good music together and hopefully one of these songs will be heard in the radio soon boy that would be kind of fun now wouldn't it it would be awesome megan trainer did it your daughter can do it too right? right that's right
1: motherhood changes us all donna how did it
2: change you It's the best gift you could ever receive in your life. Carly not only was a wonderful person and child, Steve and I are just so blessed. She's just a great friend. We have so much fun together. We love to do a lot of the same things. We love to shop. We all love music in our family. Does she sing to you? She doesn't really (laughs) sing to me, but she will share new music with Steve and I, you know, once she feels it's ready. But she won't just share it until it's really ready anymore
1: couple questions that we ask every woman who sits where you are today. What is
2: your greatest strength, Donna? I guess my strength would be that I feel having gratitude for what we have is one of the most important things that we could ever hope for. It doesn't take this for me to ever know that. It certainly brings that up to the top of the list. Every day you have an ache or pain or there's a problem or whatever. Being diagnosed with any kind of a life-threatening disease and you hear this all the time, but it, it really makes you grateful. I was driving home the other day and there was this amazing sunset. The sky was painted, all colors of pastels, and it just literally sounds corny, but it took my breath away and I started crying. And I had said, thank you God that I had the chance to see this sunset two years after being diagnosed with breast cancer because someone in my family just did not share her illness with me recently passed away from breast cancer this summer.
1: You know, they say that breast cancer changes you from the inside out. This is what's been told to me. It
2: changed you. It did. And I try to tell all the people I work with, especially the women, obviously, take care of yourself. Everyone said women don't take care of themselves. They don't take time for themselves. They're always nurturing. They're always worrying about somebody else, which is true. I think that people have to take care time for themselves, take care of themselves, listen to your body. When an obstacle is in
1: your path, how do you get around it?
2: Well, I don't push it over, that's for sure, because that's not my style. But I try to work through it and around it and find ways, whether it's one step after another, to get there. Usually, that's the best way for me, is to try to collaborate through it. If you could reach out and offer a woman a
1: piece of advice, something you wish you knew on that day in July when you realized, whoa, this lump is really something, what would you say to her?
2: Don't fool around. I probably would have gone sooner than my two-month-later mammogram if it hadn't been for my dad being so ill at that moment. I just didn't have the bandwidth to stop when I was at the hospital in Boston and go get myself checked Mm. because I was consumed. Pay attention to anything that doesn't seem just right. And even when you... You may not know, but don't skip a mammogram because that's when you hear the stories that are not good. Make sure you're getting your 3D digital mammograms. My last ones have been, but before being diagnosed, I had not had those. They were not as prevalent. Stay up on everything you can because this is a serious, serious disease and it's hitting so many people that we all know and so many great stories with happy endings, but then You know, unfortunately, I just lived through one that was very tragic. Success means many things to many people, particularly,
1: I believe we have chapters in our lives. Right now, Donna
2: Taft, where you are sitting here today, what does success mean to you? It means being happy in what I do every day and the people that surround me. Just having great family and friends. Again, I know a lot of people say that, but in the end... Really, the rest of it isn't important.
1: Thank you so much for being a guest on The Story Behind Her Success. Thank you for telling us your story. Thank you for
2: having me. It's an honor.
0: Thanks for listening to The Story Behind Her Success with Candy O'Terry. This is a series with one goal in mind, to shine the spotlight on women doing great things with their lives. We hope these weekly stories will motivate and inspire you if you'd like to suggest someone for Candy to interview, she'd love to hear about it. Connect with her anytime on Facebook, Twitter, and her website, candyoterry.com. That's C-A-N-D-Y-O-T-E-R-R-Y.com. You'll find all of these links in the show notes. What's your story?